Hi, and welcome to our podcast at Elim Life Church. We're really praying that you would be impacted by God's word as you listen today. If you've got any stories of answered prayer or you'd like to get in touch in any way, please contact us via our website, www.elimlifechurch.co.uk. God bless. Today's Bible reading is taken from Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So I want to start by asking you a bit of a question today. Can you remember that first time that you became aware that God is real? That moment or that time in your life where suddenly you became aware that there was a God who loved you and a God who'd given his life for you and a God who wanted to know you but wanted you to know him. Maybe you began to take those first steps of saying yes to Jesus and giving your life to him. I wonder if you could just remember, for some of you who are watching online, that will be a very recent thing. For others of us, we have to think back a little bit further to remember that time. But the reality is, whether we said yes to Jesus last week or last decade, or I don't even think we're quite last century, but you know what I mean. It doesn't matter however. We are, we're not invited to religion but to a relationship, a relationship with God through faith in Jesus and what he's done for us. Can you remember that sense of wonder that you are loved, that you are called, that you are adopted, that you are chosen, that you are known, that, that sense of never being alone, even though at times we still might feel lonely because there is a constant and faithful friend and father, this relationship that we're called and invited into. But how do we sustain that? And how do we grow that relationship with God? As I said, whether you've been following for a few weeks or many years, how do we keep building our relationship with God and and moving it forward into all that God has for us? How do we become more like him and know him more? How do we find courage to say yes to the things of God? Where do we go for our sense of wisdom? And how do we find strength to persevere? Well, as we continue with our non-negotiable series, we're going to be looking at those first disciples, those early church disciples, as they began to work out what it meant to be to, to be an individual disciple, but also part of God's church. 
You see, these disciples had spent three and a half years hanging out with Jesus. They'd seen what he'd done. They'd heard what he taught. They'd learned the ropes. And now Jesus has gone back to the Father, and they're figuring out what it means to still follow Jesus, even though he's no longer with them physically. And it's fascinating to see what they include, what their priorities are, what the non-negotiables are. So Charles read it beautifully for us earlier, but I wonder would you grab your Bible, whether it's a paper one like this or on your tablet or your phone, and let's just have a look again at those few verses. And maybe as I'm reading, you want to read it out loud where you are. I know that might seem a little bit weird, but there's something that happens when we hear it read out loud and when we engage more than one of our senses. So come on, have a little go, even if it feels a bit weird. Let's read Acts 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now this is a wonderful summary of what God is doing as he builds the church, the people of God. And it's so helpful to us as we unpack what they did and what they prioritized and how they lived. And yes, it is a very different culture that they were living in. And so we have to think, how does that apply to our lives, to my life here in the 21st century? But as we explore what God did with them and through them, we see that actually he wants to do the same with us. He wants us to walk by faith. He wants us to step out into faith. He wants us to know what it is to build our lives on a firm foundation, seeing his supernatural power at work. His mission has never changed, and the non-negotiables of faith have never changed. But before we unpack those building blocks of faith, let me remind you of what I said last week, that this isn't a self-build, but a spirit-build. Our lives are a Holy Spirit build. This isn't about striving or self-effort. I want to take that off of us right now, but it is about us partnering with the Spirit's work in our lives. And that sometimes looks like making an effort. You see, Acts 2 verses 42 to 47 don't happen unless everything had come before. Unless Jesus had given his life in place of ours, that he had given them instructions to wait for the Holy Spirit, that he'd gone back to the Father. You see, Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit. BC was talking about it just a few moments ago in communion. And Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, God himself, would come as our guide to empower us, to enable us, to lead us, to guide us into all truth. Jesus is saying, look, your discipleship, your life of faith isn't meant to be lived on your own because Holy Spirit is with you and within you. And it's meant to be lived in community. And Holy Spirit will show you how to do that. And then in Acts chapter 2, at the start of Acts 2, 
He says, look, wait. The Holy Spirit is coming. Acts 1 verse 8. Wait. The Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to empower you to be witnesses. In other words, to be able to share the good news of Jesus. And so they waited, and they gathered together, and they prayed. And on the day of Pentecost, suddenly the room was filled, and then each individual was filled with the Spirit. And they burst out onto the streets. Holy Spirit unified them. Holy Spirit emboldened them. Holy Spirit gave them courage to live out the power to be and the power to do. And that is absolutely our story too. Holy Spirit is with us to give us the power to be disciples and the power to do the things that God has for us to do. But the reality is only you and I can choose to build that way. Only you and I can say, hey, my life is not a self-build. It's not about what I want or my desires or my preferences or what I think is going to work well. It's about saying, Holy Spirit, what do you say? What do you want for my life? How will you lead me, God, as I walk in relationship with you? But only you can choose to build that way. God won't force us, but he does invite us. So what are some of those distinctives of discipleship then? What are some of those non-negotiables? They're kind of like building blocks that, that are in our lives. And we find this summary here in Acts chapter, at the end of Acts chapter 2. So I think there's four building blocks he talks about being devoted to the teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Look, these are elements, these are practices that if we're devoted to them and apply them to our lives, that we are able to build lives that are strong in faith. And then there's this beautiful description of what characterized the early church, those disciples of Jesus. As they were committed to those building blocks, what characterizes them? Unity. Awe, signs and wonders, devotion, generosity, the work of the Spirit. There's worship, there's sharing life together, eating meals together. There's praising God. There's an overflow of joy and favor. And then the result of that we find at the end is that the Lord added daily to their number. In other words, there were signs and wonders and salvation. So there's these building blocks, then there's these characteristics of what it was to be the people of God, and then these incredible fruit that flowed from that. And we can't expect to live faithful, faith-filled, and fruitful lives without these non-negotiables. We cannot expect to build strong lives of faith without the work of the Spirit. And so today, I want us to begin to unpack what that might look like in each of our lives. You know, this isn't some formula or methodology. These are practices that I want to encourage us to become holy habits. I love that. I've stolen that from someone. I can't remember who it was, but I really, really love it. I want us to be a church that have holy habits, these practices, these building blocks that become as natural to us as breathing is to our physical body. Now, I don't know if, like me, you follow the news sometimes, but see if you can cast your mind back about eight years ago. In, in the year 2012, there was a story that hit the headlines. Some of you may remember this story. It was about a 17-year-old girl that collapsed at work with a swollen tongue and was rushed into hospital. Now, that might not sound in and of itself a particularly newsworthy story, but as the story unfolded, this is why it made it into the papers. You see, doctors and medical staff were shocked to discover that this young girl, Stacy, only ate chicken 
McNuggets. Other nuggets are available. She only ever ate chicken McNuggets and McDonald's and fast food. She really, if ever, ate a piece of fruit or a vegetable. In fact, the most kind of variety in her diet was occasionally a piece of toast or a packet of crisps. Her mum, Ivana, tried all sorts of ways to try and get her to eat healthier, but she was at her wit's end. And on that day when she's rushed into the hospital, they start her on this healthy vitamin regimen, but the doctors are saying that this high sugar, high calorie, high fat intake of processed food, particularly uh, junk food, actually was going to set her up for something really difficult in the future, that she would have chronic health problems if she didn't change the way that she ate. The reality is only this young girl could make that choice for herself. Her mum had tried, her friends had tried, only now she could make that decision to go, do you know what, I need to look after my body, I need to put some good stuff in it, I'm not against the occasional treat, you know me, I love a good bit of cake, but actually it takes a balanced diet to, to help us to live properly. And what is so often true in the physical is echoed in the spiritual. What a stark picture about the importance of what we fill our bodies with. You know, we are more than physical beings intended to eat fruit, vegetables, and the occasional chicken nugget. We're spiritual beings. And so what we invest in our lives spiritually will directly impact how we grow spiritually. I wonder if we'll just take that story as a little encouragement to us to consider what we're filling our lives with. And these four building blocks, teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer, are non-negotiables. They're meant to be part of our regular diet, as it were, our regular spiritual food. And to be characterized then by these wonderful things, unity, generosity, diversity, all these things. So let's think today about that first one teaching. Let's think about that first distinctive of discipleship that's mentioned in Acts 2.42, teaching. What do I mean by teaching? Well, not some dry ideas, but, but building a framework that we can know what we believe, why we believe it, and then how to apply it to our lives. Ultimately, the purpose of knowing God's word, the written word, is to know the living word, Jesus Christ. The purpose of God's word is for us to know Jesus for ourselves. In fact, at the start of Acts, the whole reason Luke writes the book of Acts, he says these words in the first verse. He says, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. So in his gospel, and as he continues in the book of Acts, he's like, I want you to understand what Jesus did, but also what he taught. You see, Christ spent most of his time ministering and interacting and teaching his disciples. Yes, he ministered to the crowds, but he spent the majority of his time ministering and interacting and explaining to the disciples. Just read through some of the Gospels. Jesus would teach. There'd be a parable. There'd be a sermon on the mount. And then they'd all gather around afterwards and go, uh, what did that mean, Jesus? And did it mean this? And he's like, no, no, let me unpack it for you understanding who Jesus is and what he was teaching so they could apply it to their lives. And in the New King James Version, that, that first verse is described this way. It says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. You see, Jesus wants to spend time with you too. He wants to interact with you through his word and by his spirit. 
The disciples were only doing what they saw Jesus do. They were continuing to apply his teaching to their lives. So when it says that they were devoted or or committed to continuing, they were continuing to unpack what Jesus had taught them. Recognizing that he had come to fulfill the law. They weren't throwing out the rest of the Bible. They weren't saying the Old Testament doesn't matter anymore. They were saying, look, this Jesus came to fulfill this. There's this one big long narrative, this story that we need to understand and our place in it. They were figuring out what it meant to be the church and they prioritized teaching. Theirs is a posture of listening and learning. I wonder, church... Is that our posture? When we come to read God's word, when we come to consider exploring it, is that our posture? Are we every other day with Jesus? Are we, let me read it on my phone really quickly so I can tick that box? Or are we listening and learning and knowing Christ more deeply, being formed by Christ, by his spirit more deeply through his word? This wasn't an optional extra for them and it isn't for us now. If we want to know Jesus and how to walk by faith, we need to know God's word and we need to know Jesus through his word. And the wonderful thing is the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. You know, as I was preparing for today, I was looking for some research on Bible reading amongst Christians, Protestant Christians, that's us. And I was really shocked to discover how low the numbers are. Now, a lot of the research is based in the United States But there was a recent survey done by the Bible Society here in the UK as well. And if you kind of put all those things together, it presents quite a stark picture that around about 30% of born-again believers, people who would say, yes, I'm committed to Jesus, are regularly reading their Bible. And of that number, only some of them said that the Bible was central to their faith rather than some kind of peripheral guide that helped them occasionally. And my heart sank when I read those statistics. And I was like, God, please do not let us be a church where only 30% of us are reading our word regularly, and only some of us believe that it's central to our faith. You know, I love Google. Anyone else? You can put a wave or you can put something in. Back in the day when there was dial-up internet, you could ask Jeeves as well, but now it tends to be Google. And it's become a verb. You Google something. If I want to know something on my phone, on my tablet, on my computer, immediately information is there. Anyone remember those things called encyclopedias? Yes, there were these books, and we had some growing up, and they had these like leather back covers, and they were on the bookshelf that my mum saved up. They were pride of place. And if you wanted to know something, you had to go to the encyclopedia. You had to look it up. But the problem with an encyclopedia is that almost as soon as it's written, it's out of date. You could then go to the library or ask someone who perhaps knew more, but that was the limit. Can I just say, God's word is not Google and it's not an encyclopedia. It is the living word of God, the inspired word of God. It's alive. It isn't some dusty book. It isn't just history. It has something to say to our lives right now. It doesn't go out of date. Although we have to work to understand the cultural context that these words were first written. It isn't a social media account that presents you with its best self. In fact, As you read through the Bible, you realize God did not leave out the nitty-gritty details. God did not leave out people failing and messing up and having another go. 
He included all those things because it's not a social media account that presents a version of the truth or a best image. It's meant to be God's truth to us of who he is, of who we are in him, of his story working out through our lives today. A mirror to us, a, a guide to us. Wisdom, basic instructions before leaving earth, some people describe the Bible as. You know, if I go weeks without food and water, I can only last so long. So could that 17-year-old girl on chicken McNuggets. You can only last so long on junk food. Yet we think we can go weeks, don't we, sometimes, without drinking deep of God's heart for us through his word. If we fill our minds and our lives with other voices and ideas, but don't regularly look at what God says, then our, our spirituality becomes weaker. So let me not just tell you what I think the Bible's about. Let's find out what the Bible actually says the Bible's about. Okay, let's see if you can look these up at line on home as quick as I can say them. Are you ready? Here we go. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 to 17. This might be one that you know really well. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now, if that was the only description of what the Bible is, what God's word does for us, that for me would be enough. That sounds pretty awesome. But the Bible goes on to tell us lots more. Romans 10 verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. Ephesians 6 17. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You see, the word of God is, helps us to build our faith and helps us to live out the spiritual reality that we are in. That's not all. Jesus himself, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. He answered, man shall not live, humanity shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Psalm 119 verse 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Jesus is saying, look, don't just be concerned with what fills the physical body. Think about what fills the spiritual, the inner person. Don't just live on the external, the material, but, but live on. Feed yourself with the truth that comes from God, which is found in his word. And then the final one I want us to think about is a great one from Proverbs 4 and verse 20 to 22. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their body. Wow. God's word brings us life. Gives us wisdom. Church and anyone else who's listening online and watching online, we cannot live without his word in our lives. So what does that look like? I can hear you going, okay, Sarah, you might have convinced me it's important. You might have convinced me of my need, but how do we do that? Well, I'm going to go back to the beginning. When I started first following Jesus, I was a young teenager and I was encouraged to have a quiet time. Now, what does that mean, a quiet time? I'm not very good at being quiet. And so I wondered what that meant. What that meant was a regular time of personal devotion to God's word. Time set aside where I would read the word, where I would pray, where I'd worship, where I'd give my time, my day, my attention to God. Honestly, that has stood me in such good stead. 
Now, it's looked differently over the years. When I was younger and loved staying up really, really late at night, my favorite thing to do late at night was to read the Word. I was not a morning person. That's changed. Now I get up earlier in the morning and I start my day with God. All I want to say to you is at some point in your day, set aside time to read God's Word and pray and talk to Him, letting Him build you up from the inside by His Spirit. And I don't want us to beat ourselves up. Oh, Sarah, I've gone a few days without reading the Bible. And this isn't about condemning anyone. But it is about us taking a moment to reset, to realign, to review and say, God, is what I'm feeding myself with from your word enough to sustain me in this season? Only you can answer that question between you and God. So what will it take for regular Bible reading to be a part of your life, or maybe your posture needs to change to be more listening and learning, not simply just reading volumes of God's Word. Here are some ideas of of a way that you can help yourself in that, because if we neglect the Bible, if we neglect knowing God and, and knowing His Word for ourselves, then our spiritual condition won't grow well. It's never been easier to interact with God's Word. And I want to say that whenever you come to God's Word, Ask Holy Spirit to help you, to illuminate the words, to help you understand what it means. There are some things in here that are hard to get our heads around. And there are some things that we have to go, God, that's always going to be a mystery until I'm with you face to face. But Holy Spirit is our teacher, our guide, our counselor, our advocate. He wants to help us to understand this. It's not an ordinary book that we just read through, but take time to chew on it. That's what the word meditate means, to wrestle with it. You know, I've kind of taken up the habit that I don't move on in a Bible reading plan until I really feel like I've got to grips with what I'm reading that day. So if you are reading a Bible plan that is like in a year, don't worry if it takes you two, keep going. But I want to say, make it a regular practice. Put it in your diary first. Who knows that if you try and squeeze this in around everything else, it's the thing that gets squeezed out. Yep, me too. So it's in the diary first. Whatever your diary looks like, put it in there. Find some time. It could be at any point during the day, but find some time. It could be for any length of time, but find some time. It could look different if you're a busy mum. It could look different if you're working from home now. It could look different if you're retired. It doesn't matter in a sense what it looks like according to the season of your life as long as it's in there as a building block. I find journaling really helpful. I don't write in it every day. So I brought you one of my journals that I filled out. So helpful. Just writing down my prayers. I'm not going to show you too close. Writing down my prayers and scriptures and ideas and and words and and prophetic stuff and things I've read in the word and things that kind of match in from what I read on a blog or see on a kind of teaching video. Journaling is really, really helpful. Find a version of the Bible that you enjoy reading. There is no point in picking up a Bible that is written in a way that you find really difficult to understand. There are so many different versions. You could have something like a rainbow Bible. You can have an application study Bible. There's all sorts. I haven't got time to go through them all today. The other thing I would say is get a family Bible or a kid's Bible. If you have children, read God's Word with your kids. One of my joys in life is when I go visit my family, I'm allowed to, not at the moment, I'm not, and I get to read God's word with my nieces. They get to ask me stories. Who's Jonah? What's this Moses all about? Did the ark really look like that, Auntie Sarah? I have to tell them I wasn't actually there, but I try and paint a picture anyway. God's word is for each of us. So please, I want to encourage you, 
as a family, find some time to read God's word together, to look at the stories of God's word. There are so many good things out there. And if you're struggling to find a version that works for you or a Bible for a family, get in touch with us. We'd love to resource you and send you some links to lots of different things. You can also be creative. Some of you were around when I was sharing the story the other day about just feeling not so great. And I got out my coloring Bible book. I've got a load of these. I'm so grateful. Uh, and I just kind of like flicked through and found a verse and started to color it in and meditate on God's word. And he really spoke to me through it. You might want to create your own. You might want to use your tablet or your phone and use an app. There's a brilliant free one called Version. You get to read Bible plans together. There's audio Bibles for people who find it really difficult to, to read. So There's no reason that we cannot be engaging with God's word for ourselves. There's personal devotion, and then I want to encourage corporate devotion to his word. Iron sharpens iron, and the picture that Acts paints of those early Christians is sharing food and time together in smaller groups, looking at God's word together, praying, breaking bread. Now, at this moment in time, we are limited on how we can do those kind of things. But I want to say, church, don't let small groups be the thing that gets squeezed out particularly as activity increases. Our Elevate Young People did a version study together. Um, you can do it as a group. Why not do that with some friends? What a brilliant idea to be able to do that. In life groups at the moment, we're studying Ephesians together, and we are loving it. Many of you said, please, can we have a Bible study? We want to connect around God's Word. But I have to say, some of you have dropped off engaging with that. I want to encourage you. Maybe prioritizing once a week to come into a group Bible study, either in person or online, would really help you in your spiritual growth. It was great to hear Anne-Marie's persistence with the technology and the way that those times have really helped shape her in this season. And on a Sunday, you know, God's Word is one of our six values as a church. We will always be basing who we are and what we do on God's Word and the work of the Spirit But I want to encourage you as you're watching online, actually have your Bible open, highlight some stuff, write some things in the margin. If you don't feel comfortable with that, do that in a journal. You know, we believe God's word is meant to be shared and applied and understood and meditated upon and read together. And we're committed as a church to doing that. God's word is a source of wisdom, guidance, comfort, strength, revelation, insight, peace, hope, and so much more. You know, as life changes again, let's not neglect that source of strength individually or corporately. So I want us to think about how we're going to respond today. And that word devotion is a key word. It's used twice in just these few verses. And it means to continue to do something with intense effort, despite difficulty, to keep on, to persist, to prevail. And it's an imperfect tense, the original language, which means that it was ongoing, occurring over and over and over again. They continually devoted themselves. They kept speaking to themselves, saying, come on, this is important. It wasn't a when I feel like it. It wasn't a when I'll fit it in. It was a continual focus in their life, a priority. And then that overflow was unity, generosity, joy, salvation, worship, all those wonderful things that we'll think about as we continue but their first devotion was God's word. You know, we make time for what is important or what is urgent. I want to say God's word is both. It's urgent that in the times that we live in, we're feeding our soul and our spirit. And it's important that we get to know who God is through his word with the help of the spirit. So what will it take 
for regular Bible study to be part of your life? Or maybe where do you need to refresh your approach to teaching and God's word? How are you listening and learning? You know, if these are non-negotiables, why do we negotiate? I've been thinking about that this week. God, we've called this non-negotiables. Why do we so often negotiate? I want to just give you three things to look out for. First of all, it's a spiritual battle. The enemy will do whatever he can to keep us away from training ourselves in God's word and building strong lives on him. So he'll distract us or he'll disappoint us or he'll bring doubt into our lives. In those moments, we turn to God's word. I just want us to think about our priorities. Maybe we've not realized how vital it is to our spiritual health. So perhaps things need to change. And, and as things change, things need to change. And also changing circumstances. You know, when everything feels like it's changing all the time, what worked for us yesterday might not work for us today. What worked for us a few weeks ago might not work for us in this season that we're in right now. So be adaptive and resilient with that. It's a priority, so you're going to find some time for it, make some time for it, but it might look different as to when that happens. Keep a short account with God, and, and if you're struggling, ask others for how they're fitting it into their rhythm and their routine. So let's pray together and respond. I want you to grab your Bible. It might be a physical Bible, it might be on your phone. I'm not against it. I use my phone all the time for the Bible. I want you to physically hold your Bible or your tablet that represents your Bible. And we're going to pray. I want you to invite the Spirit to come afresh and help you as you read this word, to prioritize it. I want you to review your practices. So take some time. Maybe you need a new plan or a different version or a group study. So first of all, invite the Spirit. Second of all, review your practices. And then thirdly, renew your commitment. Set yourself a manageable goal. Don't be like, I'm going to read the whole of the Old Testament by next Sunday. Trust me, you will get to Wednesday and want to give up in Leviticus. That's all I'm saying. But it is possible to set manageable goals. Start small and then increase. As a spiritual discipline, that's what it is. You don't start by running a marathon. You start by walking a bit, running a bit, walking a bit. It's the same with God's word. Start where you are, but be really intentional about that. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you afresh into our lives to help us to learn and to listen from your word, God. Help us to review our practices and see where things maybe need to change or adapt. And in these moments, God, we renew our commitment to your life-giving, life-breathing word. Your word which transforms us from the inside out. Your word which tells us and shows us who we are in you, who you are, what you've done for us, and the future you have for us. Holy Spirit, I break off any sense of condemnation from anyone's life as they're watching this and realize, actually, I need to be more intentional about this. Holy Spirit, would you help us in all these things? In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to worship with a song that's very well known to us, which simply kind of renews our commitment and is called Build My Life. Let's worship. Mm -hmm. 